All Things Con Amor is the pursuit of holistic health, wellness, happiness, love, the things that really set our soul on fire. Enjoy the ride. Hello, welcome back if you are back after my first episode and welcome if you are new here. My name is Stephanie Arnuk and this is All Things Con Amor. This week we are really going to be getting into it just a little bit more and we're going to be focusing on kind of defining what meditation is and going into how you can start incorporating into your life and my experience with it. So today to speak about meditation, what it is, what it does, how it works, I first tried it a few years ago and honestly didn't even realize it was happening. To give context, at the end of some yoga practices, you lay on the floor with your eyes closed, palms face up, and you try to bring stillness to your mind. Not all yoga classes do this, it really depends on the type of yoga that you're doing, but a lot of them do and they call it shavasana, so it's kind of like your final pose, just a comfortable, relaxed position, and it's really focused on bringing the mind to stillness. The definition of yoga is actually stilling the ripples of the mind, but we'll have another episode about yoga. And so a big part of what kept drawing me back to yoga was that unintentional meditation that I didn't even know I was practicing at the end of every class. The whole trying to still all of the movements of the mind is no easy feat. When you think about it, we have over 6,000 thoughts a day, and most of these thoughts are repeated from the day before or past experiences, and we spend the majority of our time really reliving past circumstances or imagining new ones. And so the repetition serves to strengthen neurological patterns. It enforces them. And the goal of meditation is really to take a moment to notice what these patterns are and starting to pay attention to what it is that you spend so much of your energy focused on. It's really a life-changing thing to practice because you spend more time with yourself than anyone else. No one ever really puts it that way, but Absolutely all of your time is spent with yourself in your head, so you might as well make it a nice place to be. And so at the end of every yoga class when we would lie on our mats and meditate and I wouldn't even know that I was meditating, I would come out of class feeling almost like a different person. I just felt like so much tension and so much stress had kind of been released in a way. I've definitely always struggled with having a bit of a short temper. Uh, and this meditative piece brought me a sense of serenity that I hadn't even realized I was really, really missing. So my question to you is, how often do you start to notice what it is that you're thinking? The thoughts are so natural that we simply constantly experience them and forget that we have way more power over them than we think we do. So I'm here to remind you of the fact that you have power over your thoughts. And over the next few solo episodes, um, and intertwined maybe with our guest episodes, we're going to work on beginning to notice our thoughts and sort of learning how to change them. The goal is really to start noticing them without judgment, and I think that might be the hardest part of it, because you don't really realize how judgmental you are of yourself until you sit with yourself in the silence. And I've noticed for a lot of people, it can be really uncomfortable to sit in silence. And honestly, for me, it's still some days really uncomfortable, but it really is just practicing and working our way up. And it doesn't have to be this crazy, like sit upright still for an hour. Some days I meditate for three minutes when I wake up. Uh, It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be any specific type of way, but the more you start to do it, the more you can allow it to change your life. 
It's really funny to me that so many people will think that the hardest yoga poses are the super flexible ones where your arm is behind your head and you're reaching your foot and you're upside down. But for me, the hardest yoga pose is really Shavasana. This grounding ourselves in the present moment and focusing on exactly what is going on around you. So learning to draw your attention away from everything that happened last week or leading up to that yoga class or everything that's going to happen within the next week. Giving myself that time to slow down and notice what the present moment actually feels like is a really incredible gift and that's a big part of like why I come back to yoga because it really brings you into your body. But enough about yoga. Today's focus on the thoughts and the meditation is going to be related to procrastinating. This past week I was thinking about this a lot in terms of how we somehow expect ourselves to be good at everything and that's a really unrealistic expectation so i kind of came to the conclusion that this might be the root of procrastination to start i really think we need to normalize procrastination every single person i know procrastinates at certain things and it isn't a sign of laziness or failure so we need to stop feeling like it is Quite the opposite, I think that you have to be pretty smart to accomplish a difficult feat in a smaller amount of time. My little brother always says that lazy people are the best engineers because they have a tendency to figure out the easiest way to do something. This creates a really simple solution to complex problems and is a way of showing their success in kind of shortcutting all of the long-winded ways we are used to doing things. When it comes to my personal tendencies of procrastination, I've noticed that a lot of it has come from internalized fears. Honestly, most of the things we do come from internalized fears. It's the body's evolutionary mechanism to keep us safe. And it makes sense. The fears are the things that we remember the most vividly, and so our body avoids it as aggressively as possible to keep us safe. So, a hundred years ago, something that was scary and would trigger your fight-or-flight reaction would probably be something that was going to cause you to die. Okay, not a hundred years ago, maybe like a thousand years ago. But so nowadays, when we have that stress trigger all the time, our body pays attention to it and works really hard to make sure that we can avoid it as much as possible because everything our mind and body does is in terms of trying to keep us safe. But again, if we allow our subconscious to take over and keep us in a place that's complacent and not so scary, um, it's not really beneficial to growth at all. Like you stay in your comfort zone forever. And so this past week, my sweet friend Marina and I specifically were talking about all of these weird expectations we have for ourselves to do well in every single subject we're taking. And considering we're taking 33 credits right now, that's no small feat. So I think that this inherent expectation for us to only do things that we're good at is really unreasonable. And I'm not sure if society projects it on us or if we project it on ourselves because we don't want to be bad at things or feel rejected. Maybe it's a combination of both. But either way, both you and I need to get over our avoidance of being bad at things. Think about it, every single person that has ever been successful at something started as a beginner. Everybody had to start somewhere. If we're being really honest, I hated the first yoga class I ever went to. Everybody seemed to know what they were doing and the teacher would say words that I didn't understand. Now I know it's Sanskrit um, for all the poses, but 
every five seconds I was like looking up and again I felt like I was the only person in the room that had no idea what they were doing and was absolutely embarrassing myself and now I teach yoga and love it and do it every single day. For years of my life, I did poorly in harder classes simply because I made the assumption that it was too hard for me to handle and that I wouldn't be good at it. And because I didn't want to do something I wouldn't be good at, I would procrastinate and put it off and then put myself under ridiculous amounts of pressure the night before the exam. And then, the night before the exam, is when the fear of failing the exam would finally outweigh the fear of feeling dumb. And then I would sit and I would stare at all of the organic chemistry figures until I was pretty sure that I was going to fail out of my major and I had made the biggest mistake of my life. Because honestly, what was I going to do with a biology major if I wasn't going to get into medical school? I really didn't know what other path I could take and I was in pretty deep at that point. So I felt more than a little bit trapped, if we're being quite honest. So now I invite you to think about all of the times you've procrastinated and left something until the last minute. I'm fairly certain that it came from a place of not wanting to do it. But the question is, why didn't you want to do it? We really easily make plans and time for the things we want to do, things we believe that we're good at. So watching Netflix and hanging out with your favorite friends, for me, honestly, sleeping. These are things you think you're good at because they're easy or you consider them to be easy. So pretty often when we procrastinate, it comes from this internalized belief that creates a negative association with that thing. Again, for me, the reason I would put things off is normally a fear of failure and being bad at it. But there could be a number of things that make you averse to putting yourself in a certain situation or doing a certain thing. It's so unreasonable that we hold ourselves to these insane expectations that we'll be good at everything. No one is good at everything, even the people that pretend that they are and make it look that way. And I think that once you get over this fear of doing something poorly and being rejected or being bad at something, it's so much easier to start and get it over with. Once you let go of these expectations for yourself, you can start existing in flow state and simply showing up in the present moment. Another way to look at it is in terms of exercise. If you know me, you know that I am terrible at running. Do I love the way I feel afterwards? Yes, but can I run faster than like a 10 minute mile on a really good day? I don't think so. For so many years, I wanted to be one of those people that woke up early and went on a run before starting their day. And then one day I realized that because I like really physically feel terrible when I try to run, I dread it. And it's going to be really hard for me to effectively add it into my routine and enjoy it. So now, am I actually terrible at running or do I just think that I am? Because when I was little, I had sports asthma and running made me feel like my lungs were on fire. I'm, I'm not really sure what the source of that is. And again, um, in a future episode, we can talk about these fake beliefs we have about ourselves. But for now, I've learned that waking up and doing a few minutes of yoga is something I actually enjoy and actually feel like I'm good at. There's so much pressure all the time to do things the right way. And for so long, I really believed that in order to fit in and be valued, I needed to do things the right way. And I thought that successful people, or at least they look pretty successful to have that kind of self-discipline, wake up early and go on runs. And so then in order to fit into this model of success I had imagined, I needed to do that too. And then every time I told myself that I would wake up early and go on a run and then ignored my alarms, I felt so unsuccessful and unworthy and disappointed in myself for absolutely no reason other than internalized beliefs that I wasn't even really aware of. So what are internalized beliefs that maybe you cling to? 
again, maybe without even being aware of it. Being a morning person that goes on runs is one of my many, but the cool thing about starting to notice your thoughts and beliefs is that you can decide that you no longer agree with them anymore. Picture yourself as a little kid. Think about how many things you were taught when you were little that were technically wrong or bad, but had been simplified enough to make sense as you were learning it. So I think an example would be that when you were little, your parents told you that strangers are bad. And this might have been definitely true in a lot of instances where your parents wanted to protect you from strangers that meant harm. But as we get older, everyone we interact with at some point was a stranger. So very clearly that rule no longer applies. And then if you've ever taken like a really hard chemistry or physics class, this was something I struggled with. We would be taught this like universal law that it's supposed to apply to everything. And then we would have to learn all of the exceptions to the rule. So things aren't as true as we think they are to begin with. And my point is, if you can take that rule and decide that it's no longer something you choose to agree with, why can't you do that in every area of your life? This is my challenge to you to start noticing things that you were raised to believe or picked up over the course of your life that you really simply no longer agree with and no longer want to agree with. We'll apply this to other areas in later episodes, but start small for now and learn to give yourself a little more credit. That was what I had in my notes that I wanted to share today. And I think something that I wanted to give myself credit for is sitting down and recording this right now because to be quite honest, I was more terrified of this episode than I was of the first one. I think really with the first episode, I was like, oh, it won't be a big deal. I'll just do this thing and like maybe some people will like it, but it'll be fine. And I got overwhelming amounts of positive feedback on it, which was so, so sweet and meant so much to me. But very honestly, it was scary in the sense that I was like, okay, they loved the first episode, but now what if the second episode isn't what they're expecting? Or what if I set the bar too high and now like, where am I supposed to go from here? And again, so I think this is my thought process in the sense of I'm scared that I won't be good at this thing. And so I was putting it off, but here I am showing up to do it. So I really hope that gives you the power to do something that you think that you tend to put off. I have to get back to studying one of my harder subjects and I know that I really, really tend to put it off because in my head, I'm like, I'm gonna look at this and have no idea what the questions are even asking me and I'm gonna feel dumb and I, I don't like feeling dumb. No one likes feeling dumb, but you need to start in order to get somewhere. So this is your invitation to start. This is um, really the beginning of our work and our journey with our internal thoughts. I've been working on mine for years, and I hope that this helps you to start working on yours. Thank you so much for being here, for sharing your time with me. You can find me on Instagram at Stephanie Arnuck, and you can find my sweet podcast at All Things Con Amor. Have the most wonderful day, and we will see you on the next episode. 